the Radio Misfits Podcast Network. It is the Nick D Podcast right here on the Radio Misfits Podcast Network, the best podcast network in the world. Tons of amazing podcasts on this network, radiomisfits.com. Subscribe, download, listen. An incredible amount of uh, informative and entertaining and funny and really cool podcasts. Check them out, radiomisfits.com. My thanks to Ed and everybody at Radio Misfits. Please take the time to rate and review us on every platform. Get those discussions started on every platform at RadioMisfits.com. My thanks to Jason Skaggs, who does all the music. Hey, you want to advertise on this podcast? We reach a lot of people. It's a popular podcast. Got something you want to advertise? Sponsor us. Sales at RadioMisfits.com. You want to be a part of the Nick D podcast? Leave your voicemail messages. The voicemail system is open 24-7. We want you to call up now, anytime, any time of day or night. Leave your comments, leave your questions, leave your uh, anything you want. Uh, 773-417-6948. That's also for the megaphone message as well. You can drop us an email anytime you want. NickDPodcast at gmail.com. You should check out my other podcast too. It's all about Saturday Night Live. Every Wednesday, a brand new episode about SNL uh, called That Show Hasn't Been Funny in Years. An SNL podcast drops every Wednesday. It's a terrific podcast and you should listen to it. And I'm not just saying that because I created it and host it, but because it's a great podcast about the legendary Saturday Night Live. So check it all out. Coming up on this episode, Dan Feinberg joins us for uh, his bi-weekly visit. We got a lot of TV to talk about, including this lady. Hi, I'm Carrie Russell, and I love Nick's show. Yeah, I love you too, baby. I know you do. But we're going to talk about her and her new show. Esmeralda Leon is going to join us. We've got a magic megaphone message that we're going to be talking about and much, much more. And my dad, 81 years old, loves to tell jokes. He's going to stop by and tell a joke. And by the way, he will also be telling a joke at our next Zanies Live event. The Nick podcast live at Zanies in Rosemont is Tuesday, May 16th. Our special guest is comedian Jim Flanagan. He's hilarious. And our lovely co-host for the evening will be the lovely Amy Guth. Get your tickets now. There'll be giveaways and interactive laughs and all kinds of cool stuff. You will be a part of a live podcast taping with a great comedian, Jim Flanagan, and a lovely co-host sitting in for Esmeralda, who'll be out of town, Amy Guth and myself. Zanies in Rosemont, May 16th on Tuesday, rosemont.zanies.com. Get those tickets now for the Nick D Podcast Live, 847-813-0484. Get those tickets now. Let's pack the place. You'll win some prizes. You'll get some big laughs. You'll see a great stand-up comedian. My dad will come up and tell jokes at the end of the show. If you've not been to one of our live podcast events at Zanies in Rosemont, you're missing out on greatness and a lot of fun. So let's pack the place and get those tickets now. Zanies in Rosemont, Tuesday, May 16th. The Nick D Podcast live event, rosemont.zanies.com. Get your tickets now. It's going to be fantastic. All right, lots of other stuff coming up here. Let's get right to it because we got a lot of TV to talk about with the one, the only Dan Feinberg from The Hollywood Reporter. And uh, congratulations because you get to hear it. Congratulations. You're about to listen to the Nick D Podcast. It's by far the best decision you've made today. 
It makes the other podcasts seem like crap. Oh yeah, don't be a jagoff. Right, and that somewhere else is, of course, Los Angeles, California. Dan Feinberg is a TV critic and a writer for The Hollywood Reporter. He also has a website and a blog called The Fine Print, F-I-E-N, because that's how he spells his last name. You can find it all at Hollywood Reporter and TheFinePrint.com. And hello, Dan. What is up, Nick? Hey, uh, lots of stuff to talk about. I, uh, I told I told you when last we met that that while last week while our last visit might have been a little light maybe that this week there was not going to be that problem. No, not not at all. And uh, even stuff I didn't watch, I'm interested in what you talked about. Um, let's start with uh, something we're going to be talking about. But I want to talk about the latest episode of TV's Top Five, which is a podcast that you do um, with Leslie Goldberg. Indeed, it is, uh, as we call it, the Hollywood Reporter's TV podcast, because I guess we are the only one. And uh, Leslie, of course, is a fantastic reporter, uh, and I am not a reporter, so it is good to get my perspective as a critic and her perspective from a more journalistic perspective. And uh, and yeah, so every week we talk about the week's headlines. Uh, sometimes we bring in some of our colleagues at THR to explain some of the things that we don't understand. This past week, for example, we had our colleague Alex Weprin uh, talk us through the Fox News Dominion settlement, which still has me scratching my head a little bit. Uh, And by the way, by the way, as we speak, (laughs) speaking of Fox News um, and CNN, uh, guys are being dropped like uh, like hotcakes as we're as we're talking right now as we record this. The the world is absolutely falling apart in the in the world of of television news, and so and so yes, you know we certainly could talk about Tucker no, Carlson no. and and Don Lemon, uh, but I think also part of why we don't want to, in addition to not wanting to talk about Tucker Carlson, right, is that I feel as if we are so like with okay with Don Lemon, I think it is pretty well on the record the myriad reasons why CNN yes. and Don Lemon would be parting ways. So absolutely. fine, yes, absolutely, whatever. Uh, but with Tucker Carlson, I think we are only. Getting Getting the very, very, very tip of the iceberg so far on what exactly led to their parting ways with him, <laughs> because people are saying that as recently as like Friday or possibly even this morning, he was in the process. And by this morning, I, of course, clearly mean Monday morning, not Tuesday right. morning when people right. will be listening to this, right. uh, that that he was in the process of negotiating a new five year contract right. and and then he was out the door. So whatever it is, it came up somewhat out of nowhere and it was big so and and with that in mind we might need to have our colleague alex weprin back on tv's top five this week anyway and so and so we have a weekly showrunner spotlight usually and uh last week's for example was deborah khan who created the diplomat one of the shows that we are i assume going to be talking about in a few minutes so yeah it's a good podcast comes out every friday tv's top five the numeral five right i have not had time uh to listen to it yet um 
what I will uh, for sure. And I've listened in the past and it's a great podcast and I want to listen to it because I'm uh, I happen to be a fan of the diplomat. So uh, there you go. Uh, this um, is, this is both not surprising and also, <laughs> yeah, better, better that you are prioritizing watching the series ahead right. of listening to people talking about it. Exactly. But it'll, it'll still be there. And it's not a hugely spoilery interview for anyone who's, who's out there and cares, but it okay. is a little spoilery, maybe kind of. Okay. Well, uh, so that's, uh, that's available right now. TV's top five. It's the Hollywood Reporter's TV podcast that Dan is the co-host of, and you should check it out. And all of this is available. Just go to Hollywood Reporter and check it out. And you can also check it out at the fine print, F-I-E-N. Well, we may as well start with The Diplomat. Um, and uh, let me just first get started. Hi, I'm this. Carrie Russell, and I <laughs> love Nick's show. Thank you, Carrie. Uh, and I love your show. How about that? Um, <laughs> so uh, tell us about uh, The Diplomat. Indeed. So The Diplomat is, as I mentioned, uh, created by Deborah Kahn, and her credits include uh, Homeland, West Wing. She worked on both of those shows for a number of years. She worked on Grey's Anatomy for like its first seven seasons, which means that she stopped working on Grey's Anatomy roughly 10 seasons of Grey's Anatomy ago. So that's kind of crazy. Uh, But yes, so it is created by Deborah Kahn, and the premise is that the series begins with an explosion on a British aircraft carrier somewhere in some waters off the coast of Iran, and it prompts a burgeoning international incident. And it's a potentially big enough international incident that Carrie Russell's character, who was on her way to a diplomatic posting in uh, Kabul, is recruited to be the ambassador to the United Kingdom. She sort of blanches at this because it's generally a ceremonial position and stuff. She gets reassured by the president, played by Mr. Michael McKean, who is all over this weekend, as we yes. will, as we will discuss <laughs> yeah. eventually. Yeah. Um, he appoints her and promises that it's actually going to be a fairly important thing because of the international incident, but also people involved have have their eyes on her for a bigger position Potentially. So she's off to the UK along with her husband, uh, played by Rufus Sewell, who is a former ambassador to various places himself, but also a renegade troublemaker who's always causing trouble. And it becomes a question of, is she going to be able to prevent an international incident? Is she going to be able to line herself up for a bigger position in the future, et cetera, et cetera? That is The Diplomat. Mm -hmm. And where do you stand on it? I like it very much. I think that uh, as my, my review, the the direction I took with my review is that a couple months ago, Bella Bajaria, who's the head of original programming for Netflix and one of her executives did an interview with uh, The New Yorker and they discussed how the programming model for Netflix going forward was going to be, quote unquote, premium cheeseburgers. And the idea there is kind of this intersection of populism maybe it was sorry it was gourmet cheeseburgers got to get that right uh so sort of the intersection of of populism but also quality and when that interview came out my immediate reaction was netflix hasn't had that many premium or gourmet anythings lately um but this to me feels like exactly what I like to believe that they were talking about as a gourmet cheeseburger it is absolutely a a genre show. I mentioned Deborah Kahn's uh, background and absolutely 
it, it this show is an intersection of West Wing and Homeland. It feels a lot like Madam Secretary. Uh, feels a lot like several shows that people have known and liked and that have run for a long, long time. But then it's also, and some of those shows I just mentioned were also quite good themselves. It's just a good show. It's just a smart show. It's a show that it seems to, speaking entirely as an outsider who has never been an ambassador or a diplomat on the international stage, it feels right. It feels as if it covers the protocol of the situation in a way that is accurate and interesting and that gets to kind of the gap that we have in our perception between the job title of ambassador and the prestige that it would seem to imply and what the actual job is, which sometimes involves hosting tea parties and going to galas and basically being essentially powerless. And I think it captures that in a very interesting way. I think that your girl, Carrie Russell, is uh, is terrific. I think it's a great part for her. I think it lets her do some of the things that she did in The Americans, but also in a different way. I think that she and Ruba Sewell have a very interesting dynamic. And then the cast is just full of of great people and people from shows that that we love and talk about regularly. Uh, so people like uh, Celia Emery from um, from Better Things has a has a great yeah. part as oh a God, so good as a, <laughs> as a political kingmaker who works behind the scenes and and could have a dangerous agenda of her own. She's terrific, and it's so and it's so difficult uh, different from her character yeah. on Better Things. Just yeah, yeah. a blast to watch. Yeah. But then other people like Rory Kinnear, who plays the uh, the British Prime Minister. Who I, I, you know, I just yeah. have difficulty watching him now because um, of which thing? Because what is of your... be, because of men, and I, I and because I love that movie. I'm the only person. <laughs> I'm the only person who loved that movie. But I can't look at him without thinking that there's going to be a weird duplicate of him uh, somewhere around the corner. <laughs> huh. I because have you seen Men? I have not seen Men. Oh, it, it remains okay. on my permanent list to someday see. So okay, uh, you'll know what I mean if you if you if you ever see it. And everybody hates that movie. I included it in my top ten list last year. I loved it, <laughs> um, and I love Alex Garland stuff. I think he's insane, and I love what he does. But you'll know you'll know what I'm saying when you see when you do get around to seeing Men. Um, you'll know what I say when I find Rory Kinnear now ultimately forever now distracting uh, because of because of the movie Men. <laughs> Okay. <laughs> not I to can... say that he, not to say that he's not great in diplomat because he is. He's terrific in it. But it's just like that is so ingrained. How Kinnear was, well, Rory Kinnear was used in Alex Garland's movie, uh, in, in multiple roles in just such dis- deeply disturbing fashion. <laughs> I just can't shake it. <laughs> so. I I will I will definitely check it out. Mostly I, I've liked Alex Garland's stuff, so I'm definitely I'm yeah. definitely curious about that. It's He's, very Alex. It's very Alex Garland. That's all I'm gonna say. Everything he does is he <laughs> yeah. he does I, he does not he does not no half measures with no, Alex Garland. No, at not at all. Point. And if you're either on board or you're not, and I will say this: if you thought the last 15 minutes of Annihilation was weird, um, it's Sesame Street compared to the last 15 minutes of Men. That's okay. You had me excited, and then you had me a little bit concerned. So, you know, concerned is a good word. I mean, I I love the movie, but anyway, you'll, when you finally see it, you'll know why I've, I'm kind of distracted by Rory Kinnear now forever. You <laughs> you you, you have taken me on a roller coaster here, yeah. Nick. Okay. I I'm I'm still definitely curious though. There's no question. Yeah. So yeah, so you got Rory Kinnear and just bunches of other people in in supporting roles. Miguel Sandoval is very very yeah. good as the the Secretary of State who bump, bumps heads with people. I mentioned Michael McKean. He's terrific. 
uh, Tania Miller, who's done, who's who's an actress who people have seen in a lot of things. She has a really good, uh, I guess, probably two episode cameo. Uh, just lots of great people doing really, really solid work. I thought that the plot line involving the bombing and, and who did it and who didn't do it, I, I got a little tired of it at a certain yeah. point. Yeah. Uh, and I also didn't really love the cliffhanger that that is going to hopefully set up a second season, because if it doesn't set up a second season, that's that's not a very good way to resolve a series. Uh, yeah. So and so again, we hope. never know. We never know if anybody's watching. So we, we don't we don't know, you know. Yeah, I mean, what can I say? I, you, you know, I knew, uh, let's see, I knew that you were watching over this weekend. I know that my parents were watching. And other than that, who the heck knows? <laughs> I, I, I have a lot of uh, friends of mine uh, who watched. And, and because of my, my posts on social media, people were like, oh, I think I'll watch that. And a lot of people who regularly listen to this podcast uh, are forced to like Carrie Russell simply because I play Hi, this. I am Carrie Russell and I um, love Nick's show. At least 10 times a show. So uh, <laughs> <laughs> so I, I do know that it did get, you know, in, in my circle, lots of people were watching it. So. Okay, well, I look, honestly, uh, the other another show I compared it to um, is is The Night Agent, which uh, premiered a couple weeks ago. I believe we talked about it last yeah, time it, I was on. Yep, yep. And, you know, to me, probably Night Agent was more of a cheeseburger than a gourmet cheeseburger. And I don't mean that in any way insultingly. I just think there's a gap between the two, what the two shows do, and that's totally fine. But, but as I said in my review, I don't think that the gap is so great that the things that the diplomat does that are of a higher quality are going to actually alienate any viewers. Cause you always worry that if something's too smart or too good, it's going to scare some people off. I, yeah. I think this is a better show than the night agent, but I also think that if you liked the night agent and the thing that it did, I, I think that the diplomat does very similar things better. So I, I hope that the fact that the night agent appears to have been a large, large hit, uh, means that there's an audience out there who the Netflix algorithm has has primed to have ready mm -hmm. for this. Knock yeah. on wood. And I think that a lot of the people who um, you know who are fans of Carrie Russell, not necessarily going back to like you know Felicity or anything, but you know like The Americans was a huge show, and people loved her on that show. And and I know a lot of people who the minute they saw her in something like this were like, oh my god, it's going to be like The Americans. It's not like The Americans. Um, but her work on it is is fantastic. And I think a lot of the people that were drawn to how good she was in The Americans are going to be pleased when they see how good she is in this. I think it has elements of The Americans in it. Like, I'm not, I'm not prepared to say that the shows are so different that uh, that people wouldn't, you know, who liked the one might not like the other. Because yeah. to me... I think that the Americans is also a gourmet cheeseburger. I, you know, it's a, it's a spy drama. It's yeah, a, it's an yeah. 80s set spy drama. There was absolutely no reason why there were all of those early years of that show where no one was watching it. And I think people got a little bit freaked out because critics said it was awesome. And they're like, Oh no, maybe we don't want to watch it. And then people tuned in. They're like, Oh God, this is, this is John le Carre. This is, yeah. this is choose your favorite spy author this is the good version of that and yeah, yeah. and so again so if i'm if i'm making a gradation of quality thing i do think that the americans is a better show than the diplomat uh in the same way that i think that the diplomat is a better show than the night agent but i do think that there's a common audience out there that would be like these are three shows that i really like and i wish yeah. there were more shows like this so yeah yeah, 
Yeah, and I I was thoroughly entertained by it, and I liked um, you know I like I think it's really smartly written, and it's very it's also very funny. I I, I want to make sure that people know that it's not just like you know like behind the scenes politics of which it is, and the inner workings of what it takes to you know to maintain you know uh, uh, diplomacy and 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 to maintain an image and to deal with crises and deal with different personalities. I mean the way that they. The way that like the, the Michael McKeon as the president is handled by the staff and vice versa is hilarious uh, in, in, in it. Um, and just uh, the stuff between and has, here's here's a question for you, Dan. Mm-hmm. Has Rufus Sewell ever been funnier? I mean, I've never I don't know if I've ever seen the guy do comedy and he's he's really oh, charming and very you funny. Definitely, you definitely have i mean because th- th- the simple answer is the first time i ever saw rufus sewell was in cold comfort farm which is a hilarious oh movie. right okay i, I, he, I keep and I keep he going is back hilarious to like, in it i keep going back to dark city that's like the one that's like oh it's, he's the guy from dark city and, and, and i always I, I always forget that the guy can be funny and um, he is he is extremely Funny, and he's extremely funny in Cold Comfort Farm, which yeah. you know is also just a really, really good movie. It is. Yeah, People it is. should maybe yeah. check it out. Uh, it's it's Kate Beckinsale back when she looked like an entirely different person. Yeah, um, it's true. Which not like anything she did to look like a different person worked badly for her, but anyway. So, um, yeah. But but yeah, no, it's it's definitely funnier than you might think it would be given the subject matter it's also it's a little bit sexy and so and so that's a thing it's definitely full of of cliffhangers and twists and turns of the sort of ooh, it's fun it's keeping me watching kind of it it is really and truly it is a it is a populist kind of show it It ought to be the kind of show where anyone could sit down and be like this is a fairly fun show it is it's an incredibly entertaining show and she's terrific in it uh carrie russell's great in it um, you know, I, I've always thought she was a terrific actress, um, and she plays it so well. I just like the whole like I like um, like her trying to deal with all the sh- all the shit that they throw at her. That she's so you know there are those times like the like the poster for this, the Netflix poster for this, where she's just like slouching in the chair, like I can't take this <laughs> anymore. <laughs> kind of sums up so much that happens in it, where so much stuff is thrown at her. Um, and she deals with it, and it's it's very f- funnily written. And I saw, you know, obviously whenever she appears on any kind of talk show promoting anything, I will watch it. And I saw her talking about how um, because it's, you know, one of the people who put it together was responsible for the rest- West Wing, there are a lot of uh, walk and talks in it. And there are. There are, there are, there are many walk and talks in it. Uh, so if you, are, if you are a fan of the West Wing walk and talk, there are, there are a good many of them in, 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 the, in the Diplomat. And it's, and it's not... Aaron Sorkin dialogue. It's not. It's not quite on that level of of quippiness. On yeah. the other hand, I would say it's conspicuously well written. I would say it's conspicuously oh, it smartly written. So, oh, yeah. Yeah, yeah. and I and it's even possible that it. Eh, there's there's no reason to insult Aaron Sorkin by saying it might be more substantive because there were moments where West Wing was yeah. extraordinarily substantive. So yeah, I, I think it's. I, I would much rather listen to this dialogue than the than the Sorkin dialogue. That's just. Uh, me. <laughs> at its pe- at its peak, I love I love Aaron Sorkin dialogue. That you know, they're they're look. Has it become a complete and total uh, parody of itself? Of course it has. Uh, but uh, but I'm still not gonna I'm not gonna poo poo the vintage Aaron Sorkin dialogue. But no, this is this is good smart dialogue of its own distinctive version, and uh, they're just they're interesting characters. It's an interesting situation, and and at only eight episodes, it it moves along really really. It well. does. As someone who spent, you know, uh, many hours this past weekend watching 
<laughs> watching specific uh, streaming shows, I I wiped out The Diplomat in two days. Uh, I, I, so, um, and I, and I thought it was terrific and everything about it. And of course, you know, Carrie Russell goes without saying. And it's on Netflix now, and um, and we definitely recommend it. So, um, so shall we move on? Now, was it was it what 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 uh, what kind of stuff did you cover with uh, with uh, with Miss Khan? Uh, we talked about kind of, we talked about the influences of, uh, West Wing and Homeland. We talked about what it took to convince Carrie that she wanted to return to TV at all. And then to this, and then the tone that she was able to set on, on set and sort of the, the struggles of deciding when you want to steer into something, you know, an actor who is really, really good does well versus attempting to give them new, fresh, exciting things to do and how you find the balance there. Uh, we covered a lot of ground and we, we talked about, we talked about the plans for the future and we talked about the cliffhanger and, and the desire to have this show go on. And I think that anyone who watches it is going to come away fairly convinced that this has enough material to be absolutely a show that runs as long as they wanted to. So I hope it gets the chance to. Yeah. Okay, great. Everybody should uh, definitely check that out. Um, All right. Well, the other show this weekend that I watched is based on one of my favorite movies of all time. Um, And uh, not a good first date movie, uh, Dan. (laughs) Um, Have I told you that story that I took a, I took a, a girl to see dead ringers on a first date. I, be- I believe you did, and I believe you've suggested that it didn't go spectacularly well. It did not, and I was a real jerk because I'd already seen it, so it wasn't like <laughs> I could plead. I could plead ignorance as to what the content of the movie was. I took her to it, thinking, "Hey, she's really cool if she likes this movie," and she was appalled. Uh, but anyway, it's it's based it's based upon well, kind of loosely based upon the well, it's based upon the same source material and inspired by the David Cronenberg movie with Jeremy Irons from 1988 called Dead Ringers, and it is an Amazon show that features Rachel Weisz. So well, tell us all about Dead Ringers. The first thing I want to say is you were in the wrong on that first date. I hope you know oh, that. Oh, right? no, no, no. I was a jagoff. No, 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 no. Oh, absolutely. No, 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 no. I absolutely. I was in my 20s, and I was a jagoff. So, yeah. No, I know that. I'm not, I do not defend that action at all. At all, Dan. At all. I, I'm just imagining the the Reddit "Am I the asshole?" post on this one. No, 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 no. no. I was the asshole. No, there's no question. No question. No question about it. But I was like, oh man, you know, like because I really liked her and I thought she was cool, and I was like, oh man, I'll take her to see Dead Ringers. She'll like that. I mean, no. Uh, and, and so yeah. But I mean, look, I like in retrospect, probably the fact that she didn't like it was indicative of something of value, but maybe second or third date material. <laughs> yeah, maybe. I mean, it's just, you know, like, you know, like, like right immediately that was our first date. And, you know, she was just appalled as as she should have been. Um, didn't know me very well. And I take her to see this. I take her to see this movie. I did not tell her, by the way, that I had already seen it. Uh, that this that was <sighs> you're just digging yourself a deeper and no, deeper hole people, here. Nick. People who regularly <laughs> listen to me, who listen to me on the air, this is a this is a story that I've told a million times. People know that Nick was a jagoff who took a girl to see Dead Ringers on a first date, and and you know so. But anyway, it's not a good. It's a it's a it's a masterpiece as far as I'm concerned, and it's one of my favorite movies ever. Perhaps my favorite David Cronenberg movie, but. It's not a good first date movie. Now, having it, said that, <laughs> it is not. Uh, it is absolutely a masterpiece. I, I rewatched it uh, because it probably had been fifteen years since I'd last seen it, and yeah. it, it still plays 
oh, yeah. tremendously yeah. well because yeah. Jeremy Irons is about oh, as God. good as it gets. And, do you and love? Jen- but by the way, uh, by the way, do you do you love the fact that when he won for Reversal of Fortune, the first person he thanked was Cronenberg? Oh, for sure. And, and <laughs> you know, it, and it speaks so well for him. I, it also speaks kind of ridiculously for all of the awards groups that didn't. Yeah recognized him and I and I was going through the just kind of the list and what's even harder for me to believe honestly is that none of the major critics groups gave him their best actor award that year like like if that movie came out now maybe it wouldn't necessarily get Oscar nominations because the movie's weird as hell like it, it, there's it, no getting absolutely. past that yeah, yeah. but I still feel it's the kind of thing where the New York film critics circle would make a very clear point of being yeah. like okay we're it getting was, behind, but this. it was that it was goddamn Rain Man was that year, and it was all Hoffman, and you know that movie that 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 performance was tailor made for critics to fawn all over it in the Oscar to be thrown at the guy. You know what I mean? So, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I you know. So it goes. Um, and, by, and, and by the way, by the way, did you watch Barry last night? I was just about to mention that, uh, that the that Rain Man is having a cultural moment yeah. this yeah. week, somewhat. Yeah. Barry, right. I, I, for whatever reason, and Rain Man is definitely a movie I haven't watched in oh, you're 25 true. years. You're, you're fine. You're fine. You're okay. But, but it, it's kind of funny the way that I completely disassociated the score from Rain Man, which yeah. is entirely <laughs> indelible from the movie itself. And so it took me a couple minutes watching this week's Barry to be like, oh, right. crap, right. That's the score from Rain Man. <laughs> that's exactly what happened to me. Because I recognize I'm like, what 80s movie is this? And then they cut to the screen and it's rain. I was like, holy shit, it was Rain Man. I could and Same thing. Dan, same exact thing happened to me. It's <laughs> also, it is such a discordant piece of scoring from Hans Zimmer. It has so little to do with the tone of that movie. It is I know. an odd choice, but he uh, was nominated for an Oscar. And look, it's a great score. I think if that score had somehow been a part of uh, Dead Ringers, not to take anything away from Howard Shore, whose scores yeah. are always fantastic. Always, yeah. Always. Um, but still in all, uh, it would have fit much better with Dead Ringers <laughs> yeah. than it fit with Rain Man. Yeah. Well, anyway, so, we, we, we digress again. But anyway. Ag- uh... We aggressively digress. So anyway, uh Yes, as you say, it is it is based on and adapted by Alice Birch. We should uh, give her credit because oh, yeah. it, it is a, a very good piece of adaptation. It is uh, from it's both from the David Cronenberg film and also kind of from the novel Twins, which I have not read, so I don't really know what is there and what isn't. I've read uh, either. So it 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 takes the shape of the movie and the shape basically being you have two identical twins uh they are gynecologists and yep that's pretty much it uh they have very very different personalities <laughs> and and they're named beverly and elliot which i thought was kind and of they're right, na- yeah. and they're named beverly and elliot and uh and one of them does embark on a relationship with a an actress and in mm-hmm. the in the TV show, her name is Genevieve, which See? is, of course, a nod to Genevieve de Bujold, who plays right. the role in the movie. So, And, and what, sh- what show is this actress a star of? In the- <laughs> oh, God. Okay, she's in- I... She's, she's in, in Rabid. Rabid, yes. Oh my God, I, I was, I was so busy doing the. This is clearly the because it's a show that's on Amazon Prime. That's and right. So, yeah. And so my mind, it's a two-step joke. Yeah. And my mind did not make the second step, and I am so freaking ashamed of myself. I, I, I need to go. Oh my God, I. 
Wow, that's just <laughs> pathetic. I wow. Can't do- uh, you know, you could have faked it, Dan. You could have said, yeah, I- rabbit. I, uh, yeah. No. I, <laughs> it's not like no that that's in, that's inexcusable. I I am genuinely embarrassed. Yeah, I am is. embarrassed with myself, and I am embarrassed my, with myself yeah. in one of those ways where you have to acknowledge that you are at fault, right. and this right. is me it's, being it's, at now fault. You know, now you know how it feels to take a girl on a first date to see dead ringers. <laughs> I I am more no. I think actually this is much more uh, how how the girl who was taken on a right. first date to see dead ringers felt. I feel mortified, is what I'm saying. <laughs> <sighs> okay. Oh so, man! All right. Well, we got stars. In, the actor is stars in Rabbit on uh, on Amazon Prime, which right. is a another great uh, David Cronenberg movie. Um. So yes. Uh. Anyway, so basically, the narrative is that one of the sibling, one of the twins, is deeply empathetic and socially awkward and invested in in helping women and helping demystify childbirth and all of that the other one is is more interested in the scientific experimentation and the dehumanizing of it uh but as the story goes along their roles intersect and etc so anyway as you say rachel vice uh plays plays elliot and beverly and uh so okay so we talked in the last segment about how the diplomat is a show that Really, everyone could probably tune in to watch and, <laughs> you know, yeah. sure. Uh, Dead Ringers is not. No. <laughs> uh, and, and by the way, it takes about five minutes for that line oh. to be drawn. It's like, so, okay. <laughs> yes, within, within it is it is about five minutes into the show before you get your first C-section, yeah. uh, before before you get the fir- before you get your first miscarriage uh, yeah. uh, depicted in very, very graphic terms, before yeah. there are pools of blood and viscera on the floor. Uh, <laughs> the show lets you know very quickly if this is a world that you want to spend yeah. any time in. And <laughs> look, I'm not going to begrudge anyone who wants to check out yeah. immediately. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It's, it, this, this is, this is, a thing that is is going to be too much for some people uh but in general i i really liked it and more than liking it i understood why it exists and in this world of everything being remade and everything being rebooted and trying to reconceive and conceptualize everything uh, you know, and especially with the less necessary reboot reconceptualization of Fatal Attraction that's also just a week away, uh, you know, sort of from the exact same time period and yeah. and movies that are, they are not similar movies, but you understand how they fit into their moment in 1987, 1988 together. Sure. Sure. So, yeah, 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 yeah. but one of these two adaptations, you know exactly how it fits into 2023 and the other one you do not. And the one that you do is Dead Ringers. So... Now you know my review of uh, a Fatal Attraction that I'll say no more on. Uh, though I do love love Lizzie Kaplan, there is there is nothing nothing but love for Lizzie Kaplan. Absolutely, for me. Yeah. but uh, but yeah. So it the thing it is such a different way of conceiving this story to have the two central characters be women as opposed to men, because when it's two men, it becomes about David Cronenberg's fascination and terror <laughs> when it comes to women it is it is yep. very much about his gynophobia and <laughs> and not just about women in general but about what's happening inside women that allows them to do the terrifying thing they do wherein they bring life into the world yep. uh, and it becomes an entirely different thing when you have 
two women in the same position. And it's not just, it's not just something they're doing from the outside. It's something they're doing from the inside. It's something with a deep and empathetic connection for them. And it, it's, it's just, it's smart and interesting. And it's an approach where you go, I know exactly why this was a story that was worth telling today. And so I, I give it full credit for that. I give it full credit for how great Rachel Weiss and Rachel Weiss are. I think they are both terrific. And uh, the improvements in actors acting alongside themselves, technology wow. yeah. between the movie, it is, yeah. it is very impressive. So, right. so, you know, and watching the movie again, as I said, a couple of weeks ago, they, they do it fairly well, but it, it is surely not seamless. It is, it is one of those things where you go, okay, that's uh, the, well, there's the shot with the body double. I can, you know, yeah. I, yeah. But but this is this is much more seamless. They they do they go a little bit for me at least overboard in the let's make sure that one of them has their hair down in every single scene and one yeah, of them has yeah. their hair up in every single scene. Yeah. Uh I I kind of wish that they had had a little bit more confidence that Rachel Vice would be able to uh, to sell the differences which she can. Mm-hmm. Uh but I I liked it. I liked how it moved along. Um, to me, it peaks entirely in the fifth episode, and I and I found the finale to be frustratingly partially formed. I, I wasn't completely sure on a lot of the purposes of a lot of the things it was doing in the finale, but I thought the first five episodes were really terrific. Uh, what did you end up thinking of this one? It's it's insane, Dan. I agree with you one hundred percent. Right down to the to the the final episode being good but not great, and I agree with you. I found it a little bit more frustrating. The fifth episode, which was directed by uh, Karen Kusama, if I'm not mistaken. You are correct. Uh, and she's phenomenal. And uh, and I love the whole structure of that episode. Um, you know, I mean, I, I just thought it was sweet and weird and interesting and, and, and really uh, it, it was much more gratifying when it was over than the, than the sixth episode. I agree with you 100% on everything you've said. Um, I found it a lot funnier than I thought it was going to be. Um, <laughs> and you mentioned it in your review. Um, there are this, to me, the set pieces in this whole entire series are not like, you know, the, you know, the, the operation scenes or, you know, any of that stuff in the, in the operating rooms or, or, you know, the C-sections or any of that stuff. As you mentioned, to me, the highlights of almost every episode are the dinner party scenes. Um, the second episode is one of the funniest things. I'm telling you, the second episode, I was roaring with laughter <laughs> uh, at every scene at that dinner table with, uh, and I'm blanking on all the actors who are there, you know, because they, they, they go to the party, the, the, the Mantle Twins go to this party to suck up to these rich, rich people so that they could get money so that they could build this, uh, you know, uh, clinic, uh, you know, and, and a place where they can, they can experiment and, you know, a woman's clinic. And they want money, and so they go to this rich person's house, a whole family, to get the money from them and sit through this you know, ridiculous dinner. And my God, I'm telling you, the stuff was so quick, and the dialogue was so funny, and the acting was so good. I'm tell- I was roaring with laughter during that second episode. I just thought it was hilarious. It's it's a very funny scene. Uh, probably the actors who you want to at least mention. Uh, Jennifer Ely plays yeah, uh, yeah. the the main investor in the potential clinic, and Emily Mead, who people <laughs> will know from Leftovers and The Deuce, uh, plays her wife. And yeah. they're actually the most normal people at that dinner party. <laughs> yeah. uh, 
It, so so there's that dinner party. There's another fantastic dinner party with the twins' parents, which is oh, tremendous. And fantastic. then. And then uh, in the fifth episode, there's another potentially yeah. even better dinner party. Uh, and without spoiling anything specifically, let's just say it's another dinner party and another scene featuring the great Michael McKean, yeah. who had a very good weekend. A very good week and completely different. Like two unbelievably different performances that, that, that actually called upon completely different type of talent that he's, that he's capable of. Uh, uh, he crosses a he crosses a line into total weirdness and insanity uh in in uh, in dead ringers <laughs> no he is he is fantastic and that and the, and that scene is great and the stuff in the fifth episode really does to me it brings in so many big ideas and big themes uh it, it touches on the entire history of gynecology and in, yeah. in yeah. you know on a global level in yeah. ways that are 100% factually accurate it's this is one of those things a, li- a little bit like and this is a great comparison because you know it's a natural comparison a little bit like agent elvis where if you go uh <laughs> yeah. where if you go is that actually true the answer is yes it is yeah. absolutely true and yeah, people yeah. should know this uh and and then again, so the the finale just kind of becomes more about trying to tie things up and right. and tie everything in in ribbons, and then it has at least three different endings, and and by the the third of them, I was like, okay, well, I just I just don't know that I yeah. care anymore. I mean, I, you know, and and by the they, they do half the credits, there's another ending, and then they do yep. another ending, and then there's more credits, and I'm like, what the you know, <laughs> I'm with you on that, and and also, I mean, the fifth that that fifth episode is so unique, and the way it's structured is completely different than. Any any of the other episodes and it also to me has the most emotion in it like to me it has the most emotional impact of any of the episodes and they all do because i think they're all there are elements of emotion throughout it all because uh, rachel vice is so good her two performances are so so amazing that you're involved you you get emotionally involved in it um there's no question about it but whereas like and i don't want to and, and i i kind of hate to compare the movie to the series but inevitably you're going to you know um, but the, I just I find the ending of the movie to be absolutely heartbreaking and devastating, um, and it destroys me every time I watch it. And uh, and there's a real huge emotional impact to the and a power to the ending of that movie that the the, the tragic, horrifying, heartbreaking ending of that film, and it's not there in in the sixth episode of this. Yeah, I, I've, I've definitely the movie ends both more efficiently, but also more directly emotionally you you look at the ending of the movie and you go yes i see how that was the ending to the thing i just watched for two hours yeah whereas i was not as convinced that the that the sixth episode here really was tying up what i'd watched for five hours to me it just felt like it was tying things up yeah and and i and even and even then i have this kind of terror lurking somewhere that if it's really successful they might try doing oh, another season and no, i hope they no. i hope they don't God, no, this no, is no. this is right so yeah. and i don't want it and by the way i don't want another season of beef either i think beef ends you know what i mean and i, and I know that it's like huge and popular and are they talking about a second season of beef they are aren't they? <laughs> at this exact moment the only thing they're talking about is about uh the controversy surrounding david cho oh uh, of course yes of which course. you know is is both unfortunate and also it's it's a thing that needs to be talked about and and i i've been sort of battling with that cuz i don't know yeah. how to deal with the fact that it wasn't 
that I was too busy enjoying the show to take a step back and go, right. hmm, do we want to be having this conversation? But yeah, uh, th- that's that's what the conversation's been about for the last week right. on Beat. That's true. that's true. Also, though, they did announce that it was going to be uh, competing in the limited series category. So well, if nothing sense. else, yeah. at yeah. least short term, that says this is over. But obviously, mm-hmm. as we've learned from everything from Downton Abbey to Big Little Lies, it doesn't necessarily mean, or to, to White Lotus, etc. It yeah. doesn't necessarily mean anything. So, well, who knows? It, it, even though we've we've we're not ringing, singing in huge cra- uh, you know praises of that of the sixth episode, the wrap up is a little bit disappointing. But the rest of it, the other five episodes, in my opinion, are, are amazing, and it is a great series. And it and I think obviously you agree with me on this, Dan. That it is anchored by two of the best performances that I've seen. I mean, she's Rachel Weisz is unbelievable in it. It's an unbelievable pair of performances, and she's got to be nominated or win or whatever category they put her in. It's incredible. It's an incredible I, pair of performances. And I and I wish I had more confidence. Uh, honestly, uh, I, you know, it's it's a tough, it is a tough category regardless, yeah. and. I think that probably the reviews and whatnot have been positive enough and and rapturous enough about her that she should be able to be nominated. I hope that she will. Uh, and yeah, no, definitely, definitely don't take both of our less enthusiastic feelings about the sixth episode to be that you shouldn't check it out, but also take our warning that if you find yourself in a few minutes in thinking that it's just not for you, that's entirely okay. I'm really not yeah. going to join you. Yeah. And I understand that. And like, Blame. if you watch, if you're in there, if you're in there and you, and you're about six minutes in and all this, all the shit starts to happen, it, it, you're it's that's going to happen consistently through the entire six episodes. So you might want to check out. That's all Indeed. I'm saying. I you mean, might look, wanna, this if, might not be for you. It just might uh, if, not be for you. If you do not like de- this dead ringers, or if you cannot watch it, we can still go on a second date. <laughs> <laughs> Uh, now I'm now I'm thinking. I wonder where she is now, and if she's watching it. Uh, that cause I, I can't even imagine if the woman is like. I remember when this asshole took me on a date to see this movie like thirty oh, years it's ago. It's the first story she tells anyone. <laughs> she saw she saw the billboard, and she's like, "Oh my god, I cannot believe they made a TV series about this." You will not believe the date right. I went on. Exactly, exactly. Oh my god. All right. Well, we briefly mentioned uh, Barry um, and. Uh, the, the, you know, one, just the last episode, there's been three, there's been three episodes since we last spoke. It came back and they, they did two on the first night and, you know, one. So there's been three episodes, uh, two minutes into last night's episode. I'm not going to give away who was there, but I was like, what, where did that come from? (laughs) Is there a reason for that, for that little cameo two minutes into Barry? I was very happy with that. Yeah, no, me too. But like, is there, what's the connection? Was it, was, is this person like a fan or? My understanding is that's what the answer was, is that, is that there was a conversation wherein the person told Bill Hader, Hey, I love your show. And Bill Hader's and Bill Hader said, Hmm, I have, I got a character for you. (laughs) Well, I was thrilled. I was thrilled. And then there's another cameo at the end, near the end, uh, which is more understandable. Uh, and I want to give that away either, but you can understand why this person is, you know, part of the show. Um, uh, it, it doesn't seem and as the, it doesn't and seem this as person place. is sort of popping up in everything lately because yeah, it's true. kind of what he does professionally at this point is <laughs> yeah, pop up in true. things. Right. So, how do you feel about the for the first three episodes of Barry? Uh, so far, I've mostly been in, I've mostly been enjoying it. Um, I I haven't yet gotten to that episode that fully and a hundred percent makes me go. 
oh yeah you know like the yeah. the the thing where i'm like okay there's yeah. there's the berry that's the best show on tv yeah and and i kind of wonder if at least partially that's because the the it's sort of it's airing in the same window as succession and there have now yeah. been three weeks in a row of succession where it's been like okay that's the best show on tv okay that's the best yeah. show on tv yeah. Yeah. <laughs> so i can and, see and, that yeah and, and I there hasn't to, been a there hasn't been a lily i'm sorry lily what, what was the, the the full title of that uh, uh ron lily. no uh lily ronnie yeah ron yes ronnie lily lily ronnie, ronnie lily. with the slash yeah. there has yes. not been there hasn't been an episode like that yet but i think there will be oh i'm um, not worried and, at all <laughs> no no and when and all i all i all i did was what i tweeted after i watched the episode sunday night as soon as it was over all i tweeted was bill Hader needs to direct a feature as soon as possible he has to he and has to make a movie <laughs> and he direct and he directed the entire season yeah, and yeah. and there is his his confidence level behind the camera really it's, is tremendous it's amazing and it's amazing so, yeah. but no i i i have definitely thought it's been good so far um and before the start of the season because my colleague Angie reviewed it i only watched the first 3 that was as far as i got oh, and okay. so and so i haven't seen next week's episode yet i have a screener okay. for it but i haven't watched ah, it uh right. but yes yeah, so i'm i am fully happy with yeah it's terrific, and and uh, it's you know everybody in the cast is now getting to do a lot of really terrific stuff, and it's very very funny and weird, and yeah, I don't know. Anyway, it's a great show, and and all I know is that Bill Hader has to make a movie. That's all I'm saying. He has to. I I endorse it, but also yeah. if he said, but also if he said that he had a another dark comedy television series that he wanted yeah. to direct eight to ten episodes for, I would also tell him that was perfectly acceptable. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. All right. Uh, you you mentioned to me uh, Mrs. Davis. Uh, which I have not watched. This is a Peacock show, correct? Yes. It is, correct. And, and can you briefly tell us a little bit about that? Uh, <laughs> no, I really can't because it's really hard to explain. Oh, it okay. Is, no, I mean, I, I, it, is, it is created by Tara Hernandez, who is a Big Bang Theory veteran and created with Damon Lindelof, who is Damon yeah. Lindelof. Of course. So that is already a an odd enough pairing. And it is about a nun played by Betty Gilpin who goes on a quest to find the Holy Grail in order to stop an artificial intelligence algorithm in a alternate version of our current present or something oh. like that. Oh, okay. All right. <laughs> I hope, I hope that clears everything up. All it right. is, it is absolutely a, uh, the, the, the review that if you go, the word that if you go through reviews that you will see used most frequently is bonkers. Uh, and I don't think it's a wrong word. On the other hand, uh, to me, it is very hit and miss. And to me, I think I found it miss more than I found it hit. Mm -hmm. But part of that is that I think everyone is, you know, at least, um, and people who for whom it's <laughs> for, for whom he's an asset are giving Damon Lindelof a lot of benefit of the doubt. And I understand why. Uh, I think that if this were from anybody else, there would be a lot more people pointing out how frequently it doesn't work. Yeah. Uh, but even if I'm saying that it doesn't work probably more often than it does, the things that it does well are, are completely unique. Unique is not a word that needs a modifier. So they're just unique. Mm. Uh, and so, and, and so I, I still recommend it, but it's yet another one of those shows, a little bit like Dead Ringer, where you'll know a few minutes in if you're on a close enough to the right wavelength, right. wavelength for it. Well, you so. were kind enough. I texted you <laughs> over the weekend a couple of times uh, while I was on my excursions through Kerry Russell and through Rachel Vice territory. 
over the weekend. Um, and you suggested that I watch at least, you know, the beginning of Mrs. Davis because someone that I really love appears like in the third or fourth episode or something like that. Um, and you were very disappointed to find out that I knew who it was already. Thanks to the wonderful world of the internet. <sighs> Stupid internet, just spoiling <laughs> things. And the thing is for, for 99% of people, <laughs> I wouldn't have thought that was a spoiler and it wouldn't have mattered to me at all. So right. I don't actually mind people spoiling it for you. I yeah. kind of liked, however, the idea of you watching it unspoiled and being able to experience the and, joy. Well, <laughs> let me, let me tell you though, this, had I watched, you know, had I gone from like, I went from the diplomat to dead ringers and had I gone into Mrs. Davis and this person, can we say who it is? I mean, is it a spoiler? Uh, we, we can. I think, I think we're far enough into. Okay. Also, she's, she's on the Wikipedia page. So. All whatever. right. Well, it's, it's, it's Katja Herbers from, uh, from evil who I adore. And, uh, and you know, uh, and had I not known she was in it and I watched something, with Carrie Russell in it, and then something with Rachel Weisz in it, and then something with Katja Herbers in it, it would have been a trifecta weekend. Like, I would and, have been like, oh that, my God. And that was why I was suggesting, right, right. but only obliquely, that you needed right. to watch it, is because right. I knew it would make you, I knew it would make you happy, even if you were not already perfectly happy right. with your weekend's <laughs> entertainment. Exactly. Well, I have not watched it. I have not watched Mrs. Davis, but uh, but uh, but I do love her, and uh, and so I, I will. I'm, I'm curious about it. So, no, it's but- it's it is absolutely worth checking out. It's just I, I think that probably some of the reviews have been more enthusiastic, and some people are going to watch it, and they're just not going to be amused by it. And Got it. I don't think those people are a hundred percent wrong. <laughs> okay. All right. Uh, TV's top five is out there now. Uh, please check that out. It's weekly, every Friday. Uh, it drops. Check out the fine print, F-I-E-N. Uh, we so far really are enjoying the first three episodes of Barry. The Diplomat's terrific. Dead Ringers is terrific. And, uh, and, uh, and uh, yeah, and one more time. Hi, I'm Carrie Russell, yes. and I love Nick's show. Are we looking forward to anything that you're going to be talking about the next time we're uh, together, Dan? There's just so much stuff. So definitely by the time we, we next talk, we'll be able to fully dis- discuss Fatal Attraction, you know, okay. if yep. you want to. Yep. Um, I think next time we talk, we should be able to talk about White House Plumbers on HBO. Oh, yeah. I'm looking uh, forward to which that, I have yeah. yet to watch a single second of, but I'm yep. still looking forward to it. And then uh, there's just a lot. We'll probably be able to talk about Amazon Citadel, which is apparently the second most expensive show ever made. Uh, uh, though, whether anyone's going to be talking about it two weeks from now is a entirely different question. Uh, mm-hmm. But yes, there's a lot of TV. Lot of it's okay. just not going to be it's not going to be quite as much tailored to your personal interests <laughs> yes, as this right. past weekend yes, was. That's right. OK. All right. Well, uh, uh, all right, Dan, thanks. I, I, I appreciate it. And we'll talk to you in a couple of weeks. Sounds good, Nick. Till the all next right, time. Buddy, take care. There you go. Uh, Dan Feinberg talking TV again. The Diplomat with Kerry Russell. Fantastic. Dead Ringers with H, uh, with uh, uh, Rachel Vice, fantastic, and the new season of Barry, also fantastic. Lots of good stuff out there, and you can read all about it at The Fine Print, The Hollywood Reporter, Dan Feinberg. All right, hey, look who's here. It's Esmeralda Leon. Esmeralda, yeah. Esmeralda Leon. Yeah. 
And it is time to talk to Esmeralda Leon, as it is on uh, every episode. Uh, and uh, let's say hello. Hi, Esmeralda. Hello. How are you? I'm good. How are you? I'm all right. Did you have a uh, a, well. a, a good weekend <laughs> of uh, any kind of good weekend of some kind? Um. Yeah, it was pretty low key. So it was quite nice. Loki, like the guy out. from the from the like Tom Hiddleston, Loki, or no, Loki. Yes, just like that. <laughs> oh man, I have not seen that show, the Loki Loki show. On the, oh yeah, on... no, I haven't either. <laughs> yeah, it's on Disney because they own everything. I haven't seen it. He's the only character in that uh, whole Marvel universe thing that I like. Yeah, um, no, he is. He is a good character. I'm, I'm, I'm actually quite happy that they gave him a show. Yeah. Um, just to explore that whole thing. Yeah. No, I like him, but it's like you know, um, I mean, because I don't give a shit about any of this Marvel nonsense um, at all. Mm-hmm. But he was the only character that I found even remotely interesting, and that I really liked, and I love Tom Hiddleston. I love him, and and he's great in the part. And then I remember to the that first Avengers. Remember the two part Avengers where everybody fucking dies, and you know, and then. Yeah. Spider-Man yeah, yeah. Day, everybody turns to dust because Josh Brolin snaps his finger or whatever the fuck <laughs> it was, and then everybody dies, and then the Iron Man dies at the end and all that shit. The first part, mm-hmm. the, and I remember, like, this was the big thing, the event, whatever it's called, War on, Vill- War on the Village or whatever the hell it's called, um, but the big one, and it was, like, literally five minutes in to the first part of the big Avengers finale, they kill off Loki, and I'm like, well, I've got no reason <laughs> you just leave. You're like, Bleh. I was like, why the, f- why am I even going to sit here? And then that's when they started the whole, you know, and then they bring Loki back. They give him a whole, you know, a whole uh, series on his own. And then they kill off mm-hmm. Scarlet. They kill off jo- Scarlet Johansson. They kill off the Black Widow thing. And then she gets her own movie like a year later. And I'm like, what the fuck? And then that's when the whole, that's when I just got done with it. Because they were like, well, Loki stole the thing, and then he shoved something up his ass, and now we're in a different universe, and now it's a multiverse. Fuck off. I, I, <laughs> I just got very tired of it. But I do like, uh, I do like Tom Hiddleston, though. He's, he's, he's pretty great. Because he was like a smartass. Like, that character was just like, like sort oh, of yeah. like. And in that, in that Hulk movie, in the, was it the Hulk movie? No, Thor. The Thor, one of the Thor movies, uh, Ragnarok. Mm-hmm. Ragnarok. He was hilarious in that. He was like the best. He was. Oh fantastic. yeah. Yeah. I'm sure that's that was the catalyst to give him his own show. Yeah, like give this how that was something. written. Exactly. Exactly. So I've not seen the show. I hear it's good though. I don't know because I don't care. <laughs> I can't stand any. Of it. And by the way, I went to see uh, the Evil Dead movie. Mm-hmm. Uh, Evil Dead Rise. And by the way, I did send you a picture to show you what that imitation Chuck E. Cheese is now. Yeah, it's just uh, it's a fam- it, like pizza? family dollar. Yeah. It's like a it's yeah, a combination <laughs> Dollar Tree and Family Dollar, like competitors together, aren't they competitors? Oh, wow. Aren't they competitors? Um, I guess. I mean, <laughs> I I don't know how much you know if there is a a like a hatred or a a feud happening, right. or if they're just like, no, we're in the same business right let's work together i don't know (laughs) i guess and maybe i mean they can't really what are they going to do we're going down to 99 cents fuck you you know what i mean like what are they how are they going to yeah and nothing is in in either store nothing is actually 
it's not one of those places where everything is a dollar. That's yeah, that's not a thing anymore. Yeah, <laughs> at least and, not and, there. And I I love that like uh like people actually do like their butcher shopping, like their meat shopping at dollar stores. Mm-hmm. I love that. I thought you can go in and get like a steak for a buck. All right, that's cool. <laughs> but it's, yeah, it's not it, a bad deal. But it's like, yeah, because we were talking about how I was going to the Norwich, you know, the theater I went to when I was a teenager in my twenties all the time because I wanted mm-hmm. to see, I, I, you know, I wanted to see the Evil Dead movie. I missed the screening of it because I was watching Robert Zemeckis movies. So I went and uh, and I walked. You know, I took the Irving bus and I went up to Irving and Harlem and I walked from Irving and Harlem like through the mall through the hip. Mm-hmm. And just all the way to the Norwich, and it was just like, like suddenly, I had like these insane flashbacks to like when I was like seventeen, <laughs> and it was complete. It's completely different. The mall is completely different now, and everything. And they've got like eight million like really cool like, you know, like dine. You know, like what, what do you casual casual dining? What what do they call like your foghorn leghorn? Not no no not, not foghorn leghorn. The, <laughs> the steakhouse, the long the longhorn steakhouse. Yeah, I guess it's, I think it's, yeah, I think they call it casual dining. Casual, yeah, like they have that, they have one of those, they have another one of those, and then they have like, there's a Burger King there, there's a Potbelly's, there's a Chipotle, there is a, fuck Chick-fil-A, but there's a homophobic Chick-fil-A, and then Mm -hmm. next to that is a Culver's, which is where I went. I went to Culver's before the thing, but there's like a ton of places to eat and all that stuff, and I was like, wow, look at this, I haven't been here in years. And then I turn the corner. <laughs> I turn the corner, and it's not the cheap Chuck E. Cheese anymore. It's a it's a Family Dollar or a Dollar Tree. Mm. So, mm. and I took not the as exciting, I guess. I, <laughs> I took the picture. I don't know if anybody fights at the Dollar Tree Family they, Dollar. I don't Maybe. really think. I, I don't really think. <laughs> you know, you got your you got the last dollar steak. I'm going to smack you in the head for that for that. But I remember when like, I got out of the movie, and it was kind of cold and rainy when I got out. And very mm-hmm. dark. And I took the picture. And then I looked at the picture that I sent you. And it seemed just like really lonely. Like the picture that I took. It just was like. I mean, what time was it? <laughs> Nine o'clock when I got out of the, I got out of the movie. Was it even seven. open? <laughs> it was open. Yeah. And in, 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 at least, I mean, the lights were on. I don't know if anybody was in there. But like when I got out. Because the, the, the Norwich, when you're walking down Harlem. Mm-hmm. It's the, Nor- the theater itself is all the way in the back. So like there's a huge parking lot and all of the all the fast food restaurants are in the front right on Harlem and that whole like little complex there the little mini mall with the the Chuck E Cheese slash Family Dollar that's all right near Harlem Avenue so you can see it from Harlem Avenue but the Norwich is all the way in the back so you walk all the way back and it's like depressing you get back there and you're like you're at the Norwich and it's like everything else is in the front you got to walk yeah. all the way to the back. Well, there's that the parking lot, right? Kind mm-hmm. of, yeah, covers it. As it does. Well. It's mostly parking lot, and the theater is like you walk all the way to the back. It's been like that for years, but but it just seems like oddly depressing now because there's like no sign mm-hmm. really, and you can't you don't know what's playing there because it just says AMC, and it's like an AMC is like as big as Chick Fil A. You know what I mean? Like the the AMC mm-hmm. logo. And like, but you don't know what's playing. It used to be like Norwich Theater, and they would have what was playing in each theater on the marquee right on Harlem Avenue. Yeah. And now you don't even know what's playing. You walk all the way back there; it's like desolate. It doesn't even look like it's open. The theater has no marquee. There are no signs out front. It's like what? Oof, goodness. <laughs> yeah. So when I walk out of seeing Evil Dead through this dark parking lot on a rainy night, 
And then I just took this picture of Family Dollar. I just felt really depressed when I sent it to you. I'm like, this is really sad. Norwich is a sad place. <laughs> Norwich is I a mean... very sad place. <laughs> <laughs> I wouldn't think it's... I mean, I don't know. Is it on any lists of, like, greatest um, cities in Chicago? Well, I mean, it's essentially Chicago. But you, like, cross over, like, if you get... Cause, if you walk at, at the actual intersection of Harlem and Montrose, mm-hmm. if you look to your, if you look to a little bit further west, that's where the water tower, the Norwich like water tower is. You know what I mean? And that's, you know what I mean? And that's kind of like where you know you're in a suburb is if there's a water tower with the name of the suburb plastered. Do you, does Joliet right. have a big? Does Joliet have a big water tower with an? Um, probably. I don't. I've never seen it. Mm-hmm. Like you can't see it from at least from fifty five. There might be one, but yeah. I haven't seen it. <laughs> well, there's one for Norwich, and it's right if you if you're standing on the if you're waiting to cross the street at Montrose and Harlem, you look to your left if you're going north, and there it is. There's there and I'm like, oh, okay, mm. Norwich. And my cousins and my aunt and uncle uh, lived in Norwich, and so I spent a good significant amount of time in my childhood hanging out in Norwich. Mm-hmm. And it's literally Chicago. You walk, like, I think if you go past, yeah, you know. I mean, I lived at Foster and Cumberland for a bunch of years uh, when I lived in the Honey Ple- Honeybee Complex. When I lived in the Honeybee Complex. Um, and that was considered Chicago, but that's further west than Norwich and further north. So I don't know what the hell the boundaries are. You know what I mean? I don't know. I have no idea. I imagine they're very uh, choppy. Yeah. You know, it goes like little squiggly lines around stuff. And, I, and I'm sure it gets... Maybe like picks up one little chunk and then goes around another little chunk. And I'm sure it's been, because it's part of the city, I'm, I'm sure like it's been repurposed to get the wards in favor of certain politicians. You know how they do mm-hmm. that where they, they change the boundaries willy-nilly of neighborhoods yeah. and wards? You know what I mean? It's like, yeah, we'll do whatever we want, you know? So I don't know. But but when I was living at um, Foster and Cumberland, which is as close to the suburbs as I've ever lived in my life, that was still Chicago, um, technically. And I don't mm-hmm. – but I mean, but it's right there. Like, it, it's right at Harwood – Harwood Heights and Norwich are the same kind, are the same thing. Like, some people say, right. oh, it's Norwich. Some people say it's Harwood Heights. <laughs> like, one block says it's Harwood Heights. One block says it's Norwich. And then where I lived, it was like – Right in the middle of Harwood Heights slash Norwich, but it was Chicago. I, I don't know what's going on. I don't know. All I know is that it was a very lonely picture that I took of the family dollar on last week. You <laughs> so. should have gone in. Yeah. You know, I was just I was just trying to got get Got yourself home. a dollar steak. God, that, yeah, <laughs> I should have picked up a steak to, to, to broil when I got home uh, from the movie. But it was, it was weird because... Um, you know, g- going to the Norwich, I, you know, I, I've gone a few times with my parents when, you know, my parents and I uh, would go to the movies pretty regularly on Saturday afternoons and we'd go to the Norwich every once in a while, just, you know, a few years ago. But this is the first time that I've taken the bus up there and actually walked over there like I was a teenager again. And it was weird. Mm-hmm. Um, and then on top of it, every fucking trailer was a, was, a, was a superhero movie. Every trailer. Like, every trailer looked terrible. Every single trailer that I sat through. And... I, I'm now lucky in that I get to go to critic screenings now. I'm back on the you know the mailing list because I'm I'm back being a professional critic you know on this podcast and on WLS, and so mm-hmm. now I'm lucky enough to get invited to press screenings. And because I go to press screenings, 
with other critics and stuff, we don't have to sit through trailers anymore. Like, I, unless I miss a movie, I don't have to sit through the 15 to 20 minutes of trailers now. Well, aren't you lucky? Yeah, I am. Because <laughs> Although that that kind of saves me a lot of times if we're running late. Because <laughs> yeah. then we know, oh, it's okay. There'll be like 20 minutes of trailers. So yeah. <laughs> we'll get and, that. And, that's, and that's that's part of the movie going experience. It's like, yeah, we got 15 minutes. Don't worry about it. If we can't find parking, it's okay. Because there's going to mm-hmm. be 20 minutes of trailers. And then you get to see Nicole Kidman go, oh, sad. You know, heartbreak is normal in a place like this or, you know, <laughs> whatever the fuck that is. But anyway, uh, and but now people are like, and that makes it even, you know, that makes it even worse sometimes because people who are notoriously late and are jagoffs mm-hmm. are still late for movies because now they go, yeah, we got twenty they're minutes even later, <laughs> and then they're even later, and then I they got show, an hour. yeah. So it's like people do, and they literally like a movie that's scheduled to start at seven doesn't start till seven fifteen or seven twenty. You know mm-hmm. what I mean? Because of the, and I went to a seven o'clock showing of Evil Dead, and it didn't start till like seven eighteen because of the trailers. And people were still showing up at 7.45. You know what I mean? Like still, yeah, you know, like walking. <laughs> walking in. Oh, yeah. Well, because then you also, you need to, if you don't get your ticket online, you got to get your food, you can get your popcorn, maybe take a bathroom break real quick. <laughs> right. And you have to pick the seats, you know, like, and that's kind of, you got to go to the screen and go, yeah, I'll take D8 and D9. You know what I mean? Mm-hmm. Now you just can't just get your tickets and walk in. Now you have to pick a seat and then find your seat, like in the middle of the night, you know, if it's dark in the theater, you're like, what seat is this? Is this D10? You know, is it, you know what I mean? Yeah, they don't make it easy for you to they see, don't. at least they for don't. me. <laughs> but every trailer looked terrible. And I can't even remember what they were, but 80% of them were superhero movies. They were, they were comic mm. book movies. They all look mm. like shit. They all look terrible. And there were a couple of horror movies. I don't even remember. I honestly don't remember. The only one that I remember th- thinking was kind of funny. Have you seen the trailer for this movie, Strays, Esmeralda? Uh, I have not. Okay. You need to look it up because I think you'll laugh your ass off at this. Um, it's about a... It's, uh, Will Ferrell is the voice of a dog, Okay. Oh, okay. Ja- yeah, Jamie, Jamie, Jamie Foxx is the voice of another dog, and there's a whole bunch of celebrities doing voices of animals, and they're all strays. They've all been, like, kicked out by their owners. And is this another look who's talking to? It's, it's like that, except it's R-rated. Like, like the, the, mm. trailer, the trailer that I saw was the red band R-rated trailer, so it had F-bombs and all kinds of stuff. Mm-hmm. And the plot of this is that Will Forte is plays this asshole. He's like a like a like a he's Will Forte, so he's a human mm-hmm. in it. And he's like an alcoholic jagoff who you know doesn't want this dog, this cute dog that Will Ferrell does the voice for. And so he gets drunk and would and always drives this drives him out to the middle of nowhere, throws a ball, has the dog go fetch it and then he gets in the car and drives back home 40 miles away. So he abandons the dog, but the dog keeps finding his way back. Of course. And the dog is voiced <laughs> by Will Ferrell. And so he gets lost and he can't find his way back. And, uh, and then the other strays, other dogs voiced by Jamie Foxx and some other people. I can't remember. I think Kate McKinnon does another one of the voices or something. Mm-hmm. So it's very funny people, except for Jamie Foxx. But it's very funny people who provide the voices of these animals. And they are going to help this guy get – they're going to help this dog voiced by Will Ferrell get back to his owner – and the, and the idea is I'm going to go back and, and – because he didn't realize what a jerk Will Forte was. He just thought it was a game, like he was an innocent dog. Right. And he's like, oh, he wants me to play fetch and find my way home. It's a fun game. And then the other strays are like, no, he's an asshole. He abandoned <laughs> you. 
And, and so they help Will Ferrell as the dog go back because Will Ferrell says, I'm going to go back and I'm going to bite his dick off. So the whole plot is <laughs> the whole nice. plot is this dog led by a bunch of other strays going back to Will Forte's house. And the, and the objective is to bite Will Forte's dick off. That's the whole point of the movie. Wow. And it's called Strays. And I actually laughed out loud during the trailer. I, I, I actually laughed out loud. It, like these cute dogs. And they're, they, they teach, you know, because Will Ferrell's like the innocent stray. He's the cute little mm-hmm. Benji looking kind of puppy, you know. Mm-hmm. And they teach him how to hump, you know. So they're like, they're teaching him how to be horny and hump legs and stuff like that. And it's, yeah. it's just ridiculous. So if you look it up, it's called Strays. <laughs> Got um, it. And it's, it, the trailer actually made me laugh. But all the other shit, just all these dumb superhero movies. And I can't, I, honest to God, now I can't even remember. Oh, The Flash. That was one. Um, mm. Oh, Michael, right, right, right. Michael Keaton is back playing Batman, and I don't. And but mm-hmm. Ben Affleck is in it as Batman. I don't know what the hell. You know what I mean? I, I don't know. And then there was like a whole oh, because they're of, like in different timelines. Yeah, they're in different. Yeah, they're always in different timelines now. <laughs> that's exactly. That's what my point is. Like this multiverse universe. Get the fuck. You know what I mean? It's what what they do is it's like they kill off a character and then they bring the character back. And then, you know, the comic book geese go, it's because they're in a multiverse. No, it's not. It's because they want your fucking money. You know yeah. what I mean? Like, <laughs> they kill a character, and then they bring the character back, not because they, they're in a multiverse and they, you know, they care about the character. They care about the $15 you're going to spend to see the next goddamn movie. So, but anyway. Anyway, Evil Dead's cool. <laughs> well, that's good. It's, it's really bloody. That's good to know. <laughs> It's, it's very, comforting. Very yeah, it's really, really. I mean, there's an elevator full of blood. Uh, you know, Stephen cool. King. Stephen King posted. <laughs> he tweeted about it. He's like, um, oh, I wow. thought. He's like, I thought I cornered the market on elevators full of blood, but this movie tops that. <laughs> I was like, All right, wow. Cool. So, but no, it's fun. It was. It, it's. It's really gory and really bloody, and it. It just once again proves that anything with the title Evil Dead, anything with Evil Dead in the title, is good, because. The original three Sam Raimi movies, Evil Dead, Evil Dead 2, and Army of Darkness are all good. The 2013 reboot with Jane Levy, Evil Dead, is great. Mm-hmm. Evil Dead versus Ash versus Evil Dead with my future ex-wife, Dana DiLorenzo, is obviously great. And the new movie, Evil Dead Rises, great. So, How um, or who directed it? Uh, a guy named Lee Cronin, who only made one mm-hmm. other movie, and it, it's called Hole in the Ground. No. And, <laughs> <laughs> All right. And, and it's really good. It's a, but, and it's really good because it's like some crazy shit happens in a cabin in the middle of the woods, which is what the Evil Dead movies are about. Um, so he kind of, it was kind of like a calling card. It was like, look, I made this movie called Hole in the Ground. I think that that's kind mm-hmm. of like that's, that's like a resume for me to make the next Evil Dead movie. <laughs> it's like I practically made it. I, yeah, he did. He made an Evil Dead let's, movie. Let's put the musical. official name on it. And yet, this Evil Dead movie, the new one, does not take place in a cabin in the in the woods. Well, you know, you already takes, did that. It takes place <laughs> in like a big, crazy tenement building, like an apartment building that's going to be closed down. Mm-hmm. That's where it takes mm-hmm. place. <laughs> so, anyway, but it was fun. So, but I was, I was, I was. I wanted to let you know that the Chuck E. Cheese is now family family dollar or dollar tree. Well, that's a shame. <laughs> that it was dark and rainy that night and. But I did have cheese curds in my belly from uh, oh from, oh from, from Culver's oh man nice <laughs> man. so anyway all right uh, we've got uh, my dad's gonna come in and tell a joke mm-hmm. which means yeah man. yeah 
yeah! Oh, yeah! 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 Oh, yeah! And then, uh-oh. Hi, I'm Carrie Russell, and hi, I Carrie. love Nick's show. Hi, hi, Carrie. Hi, I'm Carrie hi. Russell, and tell her? I love Nick's show. Did you tell her she has Nick's a good show? show? I, we, you know, Dan, Dan Feinberg and I just talked about it, um, about uh, The Diplomat, which is her show but on- But did uh, you tell her? I did. I was, Carrie, wait, hold on, she's <laughs> hi, here again. Hi, I'm Carrie Russell, hi, Carrie. and I love Nick's show. I love your show, too. I just want oh, you to know see, that. Look at I that. love your Little show. Mutual. It's it's so much better than uh, Cocaine Bear. I can't even explain to you how much. Hi, I'm Carrie Russell, and I love <laughs> Nick's show. Thank you, Carrie. All right, all right. Anyway, so that's the. But yeah, no, it's great. Uh, the Diplomat. It's on Netflix now, and it's great. Mm. So, uh, so Carrie is going to stop by. We do have a magic megaphone, uh, and we're going to be talking. Lovely. To- are you, are you, do you want to hear the magic microphone? Because this one's pretty funny. Yeah, sure. All right, I'll play it and then explain it. This is from Steve in Melrose Park. And I'll just play it, Esmeralda. I mean, this isn't a reference. It's not a line from a movie. This mm-hmm. is like, this is a line that he wanted me to say because it's a story that he wanted to tell. So we're not going to, it's not like something we'll, we both will understand in the pop culture world. Right. So here yeah. it is. Okay. Here, here we go. Wait, that really hurt. Wait. That really hurt. Wait. That really hurt. Okay. Wait. That really hurt. So, anyway. So, here's the story behind this. His girlfriend is named Candace. Mm -hmm. And she is a big wrestling fan. He is not. Mm -hmm. Um, Which is kind of an odd thing. Because, you know, like, in in a cliched world, you'd think the guy would be the wrestling fan. And the woman wouldn't. You know what I mean? Like, that's, mm-hmm. you would think. Because, like, you know. But actually, she's the big wrestling fan, and he is not. And he was complaining about how fake it is. Like, they were watching. Okay. He was talking about how they were watching Raw one night. And uh, it, like, he, who was it that he said? He, he said that, uh, wait, wait, hold on, let me get to this. Scroll this down. Um, oh, it was, um. A Rhea Ripley and uh, Charlotte Flair were in the ring, and Charlotte slapped Rhea Ripley in the face. Okay. And Steve said to his girlfriend, his girlfriend Candace, and Candace is a WWE fan. He's like, "Jesus, that's so fake!" And she's like, "Wait a minute, let me let, let me show you something. I'll do to you what uh, Charlotte just did to Rhea." And he's like, "Yeah, okay, fine." And and he's like, "Okay, yeah, you're gonna do like a fake slap." And so she's like, "Yeah, I'll show you." And she slapped the shit out of him. <laughs> and, and then he said, Wait, that really hurt. Right. Wait, that really hurt. So he discovered that they actually do slap the hell out of each other for real. Yeah. I mean, you can't really. You They're in, in so close quarters with the audience that I don't think they can really fake. Yeah moves like they really got to toss people around they got to smack them they got to <laughs> that chair <laughs> yeah no that no i mean they really do i mean that you know the storylines are fake you know what i mean and the mm-hmm. the the storylines are that they're fiction and the matches are all predetermined like you know everybody knows the the two participants know who the winner and the loser is going to be before they get into the ring but everything that happens right. in the ring is real like all the stuff they do physically is real when they slap the shit out of each other, it's real. And they can put holds on each other that don't hurt as much as they look. But mm-hmm. 
you have to be in but shape. But there's still, yeah, there's still a, a athleticism to Absolutely. it. Absolutely. Yeah. A lot of athleticism to it. And sometimes you get cracked around. I mean, there are times when, like, people are bleeding and they get the shit beat out of them. Um, and even though it's predetermined, it's not fake. The, the moves and the wrestling and stuff like that, it's not fake. Mm-hmm. And so she gave him a full-on slap, man. Candace slapped the shit out of her boyfriend. <laughs> well, now he knows. Now, there are stage slaps that you can do. You know, I mean, you've, you, yeah, you know what I'm talking about. Yeah, but, like, no, you want to see. You're right. You want to see the real thing. Especially if you're paying, like, $200 to go to a goddamn wrestling match. You want to see somebody get really slapped. You don't want a stage slap. Like, you can, you know, you could exactly. do the fake slap and, like, have the, and have the, you know how when you do, like, a fake punch on stage and you, can, and you smack your chest? Mm-hmm. You know what I mean? Like, you go, you know, like, I just sm- smacked my chest. And, I, and, like, you miss the person's chin, but you go, and, it lo- and that sound makes it feel like you actually hit the person. Um, and so, but I, uh, I've taken a real slap. I, I, there was, I did this show called Sabotage many, 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 many years ago at the factory. Mm-hmm. And in it, I'm a, I'm a real scumbag in it. And, uh, it was kind of a takeoff on Tarantino and Mamet kind of a thing. Mm-hmm. Um, and I played like a psycho jag off and I start screaming at this girl and she smacks me across the face. And we did it so that because if you can, you, if you can, you can take a good smack across the face if you cup your hand. Yeah. Like if you do a, if you do a, if you do a, you know, if you kind of do it like you're like like it's force, but when you hit the person and you cup their hand, it doesn't hurt as much. Mm-hmm. And so that's what we rehearsed. Like we would do, uh, fight call was at like seven o'clock if curtain was at eight, and we would rehearse. You know, you run all the fights before the show. You keep running the fights over and over again before the show. And so we would do this stage slap, and one night we had an understudy in for this girl. <laughs> and she slapped the shit out of me, like, like, <laughs> and, and caught my ear, you know? Oh, my God. And, like, you know the scene in Fight Club? My ear! You know that scene where... Yeah. Where, where, <laughs> I mean, that's, that, like, soft and squishy. It's just cartilage over there. That hurts. It was luckily because it happens towards the end of the show. There's only about 10 or 15 minutes left in the play. Mm-hmm. But she knocked the shit. My head was ringing. Like she knocked the shit out of me. And um, <laughs> like and totally caught my ear. Like boom. And my ear was buzzing for the rest of the show and afterwards. Um, but it worked on stage. People, There was an, actual, there was an audible, Ugh! like when I got smacked. <laughs> <laughs> And that's what you want. You want that reaction. Right. So, you know, right. sometimes. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. And, um, but yeah. And she was an understudy. Um, and she was only in for two performances. And the second, that was the first night. The second night, I'm like, hey, listen, um, let's run the fight. <laughs> let's run the slap again. <laughs> because I have brain damage from last night. So we have to. <laughs> <laughs> but no, that stuff's real. So Candace showed Steve in Melrose Park that that slap is real. So. Good. Now he now he won't question it. He won't. He will he will Or her ever. Ever again. <laughs> ever again. So anyway. Um all right. You ever been smacked across the face, Esmeralda? Like in a, in a um, fake in a, like wrestling around? I have no well no, I fortunately have not. No. I've done it. <laughs> oh, you've slapped. You've done some slapping. But it's not I've not gotten slapped. Oh, okay. It's not fun. Let me just say that. I've only it been doesn't look on, it. 
No, I've never been you know, slapped. Your hand does hurt afterwards, it... so there's that. <laughs> so you know on the other end, man, my hand hurts slapping that guy like, across the oh, face. Oh, that was painful. <laughs> I wonder how your face feels because my, my hand, hand hurts is right sore now. now. <laughs> <laughs> well, I've never been slapped in real life. I've never done anything so horrible that someone would slap the shit out of me. But that mm-hmm. that night on stage, I was slapped as hard as anybody on earth has ever been slapped. Man. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, it's, it's a um, it's an interesting. I mean, you know, going back to the Oscars where yeah. Will Smith slapped uh, Chris Rock. Right. I mean, you could hear that. Yeah, and it hurts, man. So it, yeah, slaps can you know yeah. just just because it, it's your hand and it's open. Yep. But Open I mean, palm. Mm. It, it, but the the real p- horrible part of the slap that I received was she nailed my ear. Like she got my fucking ear, and like I was like, oh my god! Like, <laughs> yeah. Like I, I <laughs> um, and I, and, and in the like after she slaps me, I'm supposed to immediately take my gun out and blow her away. <laughs> uh, which yes. I didn't immediately you were busy. do. Because, cradling your ear yeah because i thought i was dead because i thought i was deaf i was like what the fuck you know and i was supposed to immediately take my gun out and shoot her it's like slap boom that's the way it was supposed mm-hmm. to be and she slapped the shit out of me i was like ooh, ooh, ooh. and so she had to remain angry you know what i mean because you know and i and she acted like she was gonna slap me again she was gonna slap me again <laughs> Did you not have enough? <laughs> and I, yeah, and I just pulled the gun and went, kick, boom, and I shot her. And, and, and but yeah, I actually was in a, 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 I was in a, I was in a play where a guy, we were on stage and we got into a fight. And again, these are mm-hmm. people who, I don't know, some people don't know how to stage fight really well, or they don't take combat classes or whatever. Right. Um, and have you ever been in a play or anything like that? Have you ever been on stage where you had to like fake fight or anything like that? Uh, no, no. You, you know what I'm talking about. You've seen, you know. <laughs> yeah, yeah, like yeah. You, that's why you, when, when you're doing a play that has fights in it, you run those fights before every performance mm-hmm. at half, at like half speed. You know what I mean? Like, okay, you swing here and you do this. And, and I've, been a, I've been in some plays that had some really complicated fight scenes. I was in a play called Among the Dead, which was like the zombie play. And I was in mm-hmm. like, I was in like 11 fights in that show, you know, and we would have to get I mean, there. And, yeah. And so fighting zombies. So, so we, I was doing this play called Dick Danger DJ Detective. Yes. And I played the bad guy. <laughs> I was the villain in it. I was the morning zoo guy. Yeah, man. I was a villain. Oh. And it was like, wow. yeah, man. Yeah. 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 Man, yeah. Yeah. So I was like a morning zoo guy and I'm the villain and I get into a fight with the Dick Danger, the hero. And this guy, David Bryson, was the actor. And he was a method guy. He's one of those actors who took the shit really seriously. Mm hmm. Even though it was the dumbest play I've ever been in. Like, really, one of the stupidest <laughs> plays. Um, and I was miserable. I was going through a terrible breakup at the time, like the worst breakup of my life. And I'm in this show, and I hated the show and everything about it. And wait, you know what? My friends are going to hear this podcast, and then they're not going to know this now. Years later, they're going to be going, oh, Nick hated that show? I didn't know. Uh, <laughs> some of the people who were in it might be listening. Anyway, um, so I had to do this fight scene with, the, with David at the end. And he one night he fucking popped me and 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 made my nose bleed like he hit me so hard my nose started bleeding. Oh wow! And he split my lip open. And this was supposed to be like he he was supposed to fake his punch and he pulled back but he hit me on the face and hit my nose my nose started bleeding and he split my lip open. 
And so, like, <laughs> maybe people just don't like me. And, like, during fight scenes, you it's, know. I mean, it's an excuse. It's a good excuse because you can be like, well, we have to fight. Right, right, exactly. Sorry. Like, right. I, I punched a little too hard. Right, right. Uh, the girl, by the way, the girl who did understudy, we went out on a date. We went out on a few dates. So I don't know if that, and it didn't go well. So maybe that mm. had, I don't know if that had something to do with the girl who understudy. But this guy, so we're in this fight. God, I'm thinking about it now. One of the fight scenes that I had in uh, Among the Dead, a guy comes, I have a chainsaw. Mm-hmm. Uh, and I'm supposed to kill this guy with a chainsaw. And this guy kept coming in too close, and I ended up chipping his tooth. I don't know. Oh my god! But he kept coming in too close. We would run the fights, and I'm like, "Dude, you're coming in too close." <laughs> and then he came in one night because he get all you get all hyped up when you're in front of an audience, you know. Mm-hmm. And during a fight, like you get all hyped, and the audience is like, "Yeah!" And they're cheering you on, and, and the audiences for Among the Dead were insane. We, we we like sold out every night. People were screaming during the whole show. And this guy was like a young dude. He'd never really done a play before, and he played one of the extras. He was a zombie, so he played like ten different zombies in it. Oh, wow. So he, he How was does just, that work? He would go back and they'd change his makeup. We had, like, major makeup in this show. Wow. Like, the, the one guy played four... This guy played, I think, four different zombies. So he had, like, different makeup that he would put on. He would come out in different costumes and stuff like that. And we had a little girl who was, like, four who played a zombie. She played a zombie girl, like a little girl. <laughs> and she was, like, four years old. But anyway, yeah. I chipped this guy's tooth with the chainsaw. He came in too close. <laughs> And I, and I knocked this guy's tooth, and his, his tooth was chipped. And after the show, I'm like, I'm really sorry. He's like, no, man, it's my fault. But he had, like, a chipped tooth. <laughs> like, how, how bad? How badly chipped? Well, it was... It was was ble- it just, was, like, doop, just like the little no, corner, no, it, or was it, it like... No, no it was, like, hunk. knocked. Like, a good hunk was gone. And it was his, fr- it was his front tooth. And because um, and he, he came in too close. And I, was, I had to do this move where I swing the, I swing the, um, the chainsaw. Mm-hmm. And uh, and I smacked him in the mouth with a chainsaw, and <laughs> wow. and then he he ends up falling down, which is what he's supposed to do. But then I see him after the show. We do the curtain call. I see him after the show, and he's blood all over the place, but real blood. And I'm like, "What the fuck happened?" And he's like, "Look," and he showed me his tooth. And it's like, and it's, we couldn't find the other part of his tooth. His tooth was on the. Oh stage no! Somewhere. I mean, that was long gone. It's yeah. yeah, yeah. I think you have to really once it falls out or whatever right. or breaks or you gotta. <laughs> You got to really act quickly. And from what I understand is you're supposed to put it in milk. Wait, what? Because calcium or something. I don't know. I think I saw that in a movie. <laughs> so I wouldn't really take it as fact. <laughs> wait, wait. So put if you get a tooth knocked out, you put it in milk? Yeah. That's what I saw in the movies. Oh, okay. All right. <laughs> Okay. All right. I didn't. I didn't realize that that was. Uh... Yeah. Okay. Oh. Oh. Apparently, this is true, according to some dental place. Uh, so wait, according to milk, some according to some dental place. <laughs> a dentist. It's a dentist. Okay. All right. It says if the tr- if the tooth if the tooth is dry for more than fifteen minutes, it's much less likely to be saved. However, if it's put in milk within five minutes of being knocked out, the tooth roots cells can survive for 30 to 60 minutes. I don't know about like a chip. Yeah. No, this wasn't his whole tooth. (laughs) I didn't knock his whole tooth out. I chipped it. I don't know if you can glue it back on. 
Yeah. I don't know what – I've never seen the guy. I mean, this was 23 years ago when we did this play, or 20 years ago. It's 2002. Yeah. So 20 years I'm ago. I'm sure he got a cap I'm or whatever. I'm sure he's fine now. But, like – and he was young, too. You know what I mean? Like, he was, like, a dude. It was, like, his second play or maybe, like, a, not even a play that he'd ever done. Because we needed extras. We needed – we had, like, 27 people on stage at one point dressed as zombies. Mm-hmm. I mean, it was ridiculous. And, I mean, this is a theater that held 60 seats. Like <laughs> – you know what I mean? There were almost as many people on stage as there were in the audience. And most of them, <laughs> most fun. of them, because we all have to be killed at the end. We all get devoured by zombies. So there are like 20 people dressed as zombies. And the five main characters, us, the humans, we get enveloped by these zombies. And that's how the play ends. Um, so we needed a bunch of people as zombies. And so this guy was just, he didn't have any lines or anything. He was just a, he was like a, a redneck and a couple of scenes in the background and a zombie and a few other scenes. And I knocked yeah. his, I broke his tooth. <laughs> zombie number two. Yeah. Of 20. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. But yeah, but I, anyway, this, I, I was in this Dick Danger thing and I get in this fight. And he smacked me across the face and like my nose started bleeding. He split my lip open. And right after that fight, like about two minutes after that fight, I have to do a monologue, like a page long <laughs> monologue. Yeah. And uh, the night that I got popped, that we got into the fight, I had to deliver that monologue, and I do it downstage center. And this was in a small theater at the Athenaeum. You know the Athenaeum Theater? Um, mm-hmm, mm-hmm. And so we were in one of the smaller houses. And, and uh, so I walk up to the corner of the stage, and th- I mean, the front row is right there. They're, at, they're, right, they're like literally inches away from me. And I am giving my monologue while spitting blood all over the audience. <laughs> <laughs> It's an interactive experience. <laughs> you should have given them tarps I, like at a Gallagher I, it, show. Exactly. Like it was Blue Man Group or some shit. I like I walk yeah. out and go <laughs> and I got this and it's a long ass monologue and I'm like my, my nose is killing me. My lip is split open and I'm bleeding everywhere and spitting blood all over the first three rows of the audience. <laughs> it was ridiculous. I'm sure I bet you people were talking about it and they're like, uh, next time we go, we got to sit in the front yeah, so we can get some of God. the blood. It's ridiculous. And then I go backstage and um the blood because of the because of the stage lights, the blood had dried all over my face. Mm-hmm. And I like couldn't get it off because I had to get back out on stage for the end of the Ew. show. And I couldn't get it off. I was wiping it with wipes and you know, like the makeup remover stuff. And and it was like caked it because I had so it was so much blood and I was out on stage for so long after I had bled. That it was it was glued onto my face. So when I walked out for the final scene in the curtain call, I had blood caked all over my <laughs> mouth and face. Authentic. Yeah. <laughs> you are a. Uh, you're true to the craft. I'm, I'm a method actor. Yeah. <laughs> there you go. There yeah, you go. Method yeah. actor. No, I did not ask to be punched in the face by by David and bleed all over the place. I was pissed, too. Like, I screamed at him. But afterwards. you took it. You took it and ran. Yeah, I did. I mean, what else? We were in the middle of the show. You know, I'm not going to go, all right, stop the true. show. My, stop the <laughs> show. My lip just is... leave. Yeah. Uh. So, but yeah, no, I was bleeding. I was spitting all over the eye. I was, you know, like, and then I... <laughs> <laughs> and uh, and afterwards, you know, because people wait out in the lobby and stuff. And afterwards, I was like, was anybody in the front row? I'm really, sorry, really sorry. I spit all over you. <laughs> and they're like, no, it added you know. to the experience. And the same thing happened because this guy, this guy who played the lead was a maniac. And like uh, my buddy Manny, Manny Tamayo, um, was also in that show. And he played like a bad guy, too. He was an, he was a jag off in it. 
And he had to be grabbed and thrown across the stage by David. And he used to grab him and throw him, like whip him across the stage. And Manny and I were both like, this guy's a dick. You know, like, <laughs> and I knew David. David's a lovely man. He's an incredibly talented actor. And I'd never acted with him before. I had seen him in a lot of plays. Mm-hmm. And people were like, yeah, if you're doing any physical stuff with David, he tends to get a little, he get, tends to get a little pumped up. <laughs> Which you should. Yeah. That's how it should be. Yeah. I mean, sometimes a little too much. You get yeah. carried away, but oh, it all adds to the experience, right? Yeah, I guess. <laughs> I did not enjoy having my lips split open and bleeding right. everywhere. That was I mean, fun. you know. I was legitimately pissed. I was legitimately pissed. It is a uh, a risk you take <laughs> in the theater. <laughs> That's what it's all about, Esmeralda. It's all about mm-hmm. the theater. Oh, yes, the theater. Oh, my God. So, yeah. God know. damn it, Nick. That's what they were saying afterwards. <laughs> yeah. When I spit all over them, when I bled all over the audience. Oh, God. That's me getting punched. There you go. So, I don't know. But anyway. You ever go to a play and something weird happened on stage, Esmeralda? Um, I'm trying to think. It's, hmm. Yeah. Nothing, nothing, if it did, I didn't notice. Hey, did anything you know? ever, did anything weird ever happen when you and Brandon would do your podcast? Because you guys would do you, me, them, every, and everybody in front of a bar in a crowd. Anybody yeah. ever get weird? Did shit ever get weird? Um, no, not really. People were fairly, um, people were fairly respected or yeah. respect, re- would respect us. Yeah. Um, but we never so I mean people would interrupt in the sense of like so like the tamale guy would come in <laughs> like oh, right. show. Which is fine, <laughs> like whatever, because you know, it's still a bar, like people were coming and going. Yeah. Um but no one would like get up and yell at us. Yeah. Yeah. So there was that. We the only time anything like that we were like, oh, uh, kind of happened was with the tamale guy because he had come in and um, he, I mean, he doesn't know what's happening. Yeah. <laughs> We're just yeah. sitting up there and he's like, he came in and he's like, tamales, tamales. And um, our guest who was this guy who did, he had like uh like a comedy group, not a, not a comedy group, like a collective or whatever. He was, he fancied himself, like, he had a podcast as well, and, like, had comedians on and stuff, but he was a bit, like, kind of rude, crude kind of guy. Like, I think yeah. he's little been pompous, since... little pompous, little uh, pompous. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. He's yeah, been yeah. since, like, run out of town or whatever. Really? Um, but when oh. the tamale guy came in, he bought the tamales. He bought, like, 20 bucks. Or, no, he just gave the tamale guy 20 bucks. Because he looked at the tamales and goes, I don't want any of that. And then someone in the audience got mad about it because he was, I mean, yeah, he was being kind of mean about it. But then Brandon, our host, was like, did you give him $20? Uh (laughs) (laughs) Which we're like, yeah, you know, he did. Yeah, kind of. I mean, he didn't do it to his face, but. (laughs) Yeah. He's like, he did give him $20. He did. Yeah. And didn't take tamales. But don't be dissing the, don't be fucking dissing the tamale guy. The tamale guy yeah. rules. He rules, man. Yeah. 
But it was a funny thing of like, well, did you give him twenty dollars? Yeah, that's you true. Just gave that's him twenty dollars. <laughs> yeah, that's true. That's true. Well, there's a, that's an interesting interruption of a show right there. Yeah. So aside in. from that, like, no one's ever yeah come up and like yelled at us or anything oddly right. enough you yeah. think someone you would think, no you would think like because you guys would you did it at bars and stuff and people tend to have it. I've, I've been mm-hmm. very drunk at the hungry brain that's a <laughs> I've been, yeah I've, been, I've gotten soused at the hungry brain so <laughs> but not so much but i'm not the kind of person that would interrupt even at my drunkest i wouldn't be a dick to anybody who was on stage yeah because yeah. you you would have you have a, a base level of like not doing that yeah. So I feel like even in your even in a drunken stupor, you would know. No, not never. Not no, never, never. But you know, and I've told you this before, Esmeralda. There have been times when we would go to the to the brain, and we would like sit in the back, you know, near the pinball machine back there in the, uh, in the bathroom. Um, and we'd sit in the back and like drink, and then suddenly somebody would get up on stage. They'd start doing improv. We'd be like, "Oh shit!" Yeah, because you can't <laughs> leave because the front door. You have to pass the stage. Yeah, you know, it gets leave. a little. It gets it's, yeah. It would get a little. Uh, it's rude. If you're like, it's Let's rude. Go. <laughs> yeah, and and like I didn't want to see bad improv, and this was bad improv. You've been there, Esmeralda. You've seen. I'm yeah. sure you've had to. You've had to fucking yeah. sit through terrible improv there. And but we, you know, like because we're actors, we were like, we're gonna sit through this set. <laughs> yeah, you usually, you know, you like book it once, like if there's a little intermission or whatever. Yeah. Oh, as soon as as soon as they were done. Okay, we're gonna take five. Boom. We were out the fucking okay, door. Bye. Yeah. But you can't because well, you know, like literally at that place where people hadn't been, if someone's on stage performing as a hungry brain, you literally walk past the stage and are lit by the stage lights. So you literally have to mm-hmm. walk yeah. past the stage, and every single person in the bar knows that you are leaving. In especially the people on stage, you know. What I mean? Oh yeah. No. Yeah. And Completely. Even though the set was terrible, I mean, it was, it was, it was, it was improv, Esmeralda. You know what I mean? You yeah. know. Yeah. And we just sat there and I just, we just said, let's have more shots. <laughs> it's like, might as well. Might as well, man. But yeah. Oh my God. Anyway. All right. Well, all right. So the tamale guy came in. That's a great way to be interrupted. I'd love to be interrupted by the tamale guy. That'd be fantastic. Yeah. He would come in a lot. Like when we would do it. Cause you know. It would yeah. be around the time that he would show up. So. Hell yeah, yeah. Uh, the tamale guy did. Now, so you didn't have uh, Sergeant Slaughter, the sausage guy, come in, did you? Did he ever come in when you? No, guys were? he never came in. Um, I've seen him at other places, but he, yeah, yeah he never <laughs> came in. Fucking guy, man. <laughs> Just comes in, got his butcher coat on, looks like Sergeant Slaughter, got the mustache. <laughs> comes in with a with a. With a with a big hunk of a hunk of a bunch of sausages and cheeses, cuts them up, puts them up, puts hot mustard out, and then you eat it, and then you end yeah. up spending. I end up spending forty dollars every time the fucking guy would come in. <laughs> I mean, he knows what he's doing. Absolutely. Oh man, he was the best. He's still around. He's still around. Yeah. He's still he's mm-hmm. still doing that. And it's Molly guy. I know he was gone for a while, but he's back, right? I think. Yeah. Yeah. Yep. 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 That's the best. I miss that stuff. That's the, that's the you know the the you know um. That's the part of tavern life that I miss the most is that kind of stuff, mm-hmm. like hanging out yeah. with the characters and those guys, like the, like the tamale guy and the and you know Sergeant Slaughter coming in or you know coming in and uh, with the sausage. God, mm-hmm. those were Aww. those were those were good times. Good times. All right. Hey, you know what? My dad is here. He's got to tell a joke. Nice. Uh oh. Hi, I'm Carrie Russell, Hi. and Hi, I Carrie. love yeah. Nick's show. And she loves my dad's jokes. I think. I would hope so. I would hope so, too. <laughs> it's the best part of the week, baby. It's time to hear something funny. 
With your music intro. Ah! It's a jokey, jokey, jokey time. It's a jokey, jokey, jokey time. Nick's dad tells a joke. Yeah. What'd I say? It's a jokey, jokey, jokey time. It's a jokey, jokey, jokey time. Nick's dad tells a joke. Ah, yeah. Dad. Here we go. My dad. My dad likes to tell jokes. He tells jokes all the time. Hey, by the way, before my dad tells a joke, Esmeralda, wasn't there like mm-hmm. a, a thing with the tamale guy where there was another dude trying to hone in on his territory? I mean, there's always been other... Hasn't? Yeah. Uh, tamale guys, yeah. Yeah, but I'm talking about the real tamale guy, like the guy. You yeah. Know, we all, but like there was, I think there was another, because I remember like there was another competing jagoff, and like he would come mm-hmm. in and we'd be like, wait a minute, you're not the tamale guy. You're yeah, like... and that still happens. There's still... Yeah other others but you know yeah all imitation you need to get the real thing and those are oh (laughs) god those tamales so good oh man five bucks too five bucks just oh you can eat them right at the bar i used to eat them right at the bar some people would save them and take them home Mm you know no me me, right at the bar (laughs) anyway but i just remember there was like a a a competitive like a guy who came in like trying to be tamale guy but wasn't Mm-hmm. Yeah. So, yeah. That guy was not cool. All right. Anyway, here's hey Dad. Got a joke? Is it a tamale joke? I don't know. Let's see. I don't know. <laughs> doctor, doctor, I feel like a pair of curtains. Doctor said, pull yourself together. Oh, Jesus. Wow. <laughs> that was jokey, jokey, jokey time. It was a jokey, jokey, jokey time. Nick's dad told a joke. He'll do it again on uh, next uh, Tuesday. Um, <laughs> That's good advice, though, from the doctor. Pull yourself together. That's it's yeah. healthy advice. <laughs> wow. All right. We didn't get to the songs with dark lyrics. We'll do that next time. Okay. Okay. We'll do that next time. I don't know what happened. What happened? We got into, like, it was the, oh, the, the whole megaphone. The whole megaphone thing kicked us off yeah. with the slap. The, the whole slapping and the teeth and the punching. The and slap. Now I, did you ever watch that show? I did watch that show. <laughs> wow. Oh lord! It's amazing that you bring that up. That said, that was a show that nobody watched. Yeah, that looks so stupid. <laughs> yeah, I watched the whole goddamn thing. If I remember the correctly, slap. there were people on it that I enjoyed. If I remember correctly, I think Uma was on. Yeah, that it show. had quite a it had quite a cast. I think Uma Thurman was on that show. And I don't know how they convinced anyone to do was, that, but okay. You know, wait a minute. Was Sarsgaard on that show? Um, I think I so. Think- he might have been the slapper. I, yes, Peter fucking Sarsgaard was on that show. That's why I watched it, and I enjoyed it. Yeah. Wow, that's weird. You brought up the slap. Holy yeah, shit. Yeah, because I remember it being the worst. I'd never watched it, but I watched the trailer, and I was like, what? No. Why? Huh? <laughs> why is this a show? I'm not going to watch the show. Hey, Esmeralda, you want to watch the slap? Uh, no. Yeah, I watched that trailer, and I was like, nah. <laughs> you just went, There you go. That's it. People arguing about slapping someone. Right. Some, yeah. He slapped no, a kid. He, like, slapped a kid or something. I mean, yes, but, like, to have a whole series around yeah. it, like, yeah. meh. I enjoyed it. <laughs> I, I remember enjoying it. I remember watching it because of Sarsgaard. That's because I love Peter Sarsgaard. Mm. Uh, so, mm-hmm. anyway. All right. All right. Well, we will get to the uh, songs with dark lyrics next time. My thanks to Dan Feinberg uh, for talking TV with us. My thanks to uh, Esmeralda. Thank you. You ruled. Next time we'll be here. Uh, it'll be uh, Eric and uh, Steve talking new movies. 
And we'll tell you all about the schedule for the Chicago Critics Film Festival, the 10th annual Chicago Ooh. Critics Film Festival, which uh, uh, Eric is one of the producers of and Steve is one of the programmers. We'll talk about that, too. Uh, if you want to be a part of the Nick D Podcast, voicemail us at 773-417-6948. Email us, nickdpodcast at gmail.com. Advertise with us. Be a sponsor. Sales at radiomisfits.com. Thanks to Jason Skaggs. Thanks to Ed and everybody at Radio Misfits. And thanks to you all for listening, and we'll see you next time on the Nick D Podcast. Podcast.